The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're speaking with Dr. Larry Altshuler. Dr. Altshuler has noticed a troubling dichotomy in the world of American healthcare. While the scope and depth of medical knowledge has expanded exponentially, actual improvement in the overall health of patients and delivery of services has not kept pace, and too many patients are still suffering. He discusses all this in his book, Doctors Say What? An Insider's Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. Welcome to the show, Dr. Altshuler. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what brought you into getting involved in educating people about their health care? Well, that started a long time ago, actually, even out of medical school. Uh, you know, what I noticed, and, and of course, I've been practicing for about 40 years. And I don't mean to age myself, but back 40 years ago, um, I noticed that, you know, doctors would just tell patients what to do and would expect the patients to do it. There was not a great deal of communication with patients. Um, and then doctors would speak over the heads uh, of, of patients with, you know, with doctor speak. And, you know, I just thought that there was something wrong there because people really were confused. They really didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how to take part and how to comply. And so I just made it a habit to talk to patients and, and explain what was going on and communicating with them. And they, they seem to respond so much better. They uh, just, just not only they felt better, but, but their, their physical ailments seem to get better too. So I've always done that. And, and so now I, I'd love to talk with patients. Yeah, you know, I think that's really important because it, it's their body and their health and uh, they need to, to know what's going on and to understand it to help make it better. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, in your book you talk about how only about 50% of people get proper health care. What do you mean by that? Well, it's really interesting. Um, what I mean... Uh, first of all, the Institute of Medicine, which is actually a, a non-political branch of the government here in the U.S., they came out several years ago and made a statement that 30% of medical care is actually unnecessary, uh, and that, that's quite a quite a bit that we're getting that we really don't need. And then, there, if you look at research, there's a a, a group called the Cochrane Collaboration, and they're an international group that looks at all the research that is published throughout the, the world to try to use those for guidelines and to help guide people. 
and they will not use 50 to 75% of all the research. They, they, they say that, that 50 to 75% of research is not accurate enough uh, to answer questions and to really guide patients on. So when you look at the 30% of unnecessary and the 50% of research, there's a lot of treatment that is given that really is not helping people. And then I go even further than that because I, of course, I practice integrative medicine, so I use alternative medicine with my conventional treatment. And I have found that alternative treatments can uh, often replace uh, conventional medications and, and treatments, and sometimes are better than conventional, which makes the conventional treatments, again, unnecessary. So I really think that at least 50% of what patients are treated with uh, may be uh, unnecessary. I, this is quite an you know important thing to to talk about because a lot of people are um you know if people fifty percent of people aren't being treated properly, this could be an explanation of why so many people are still fatigued and still in pain even after visiting their doctors numerous times and going through numerous tests you know which is the main reason why I do this show is because so much gets missed for people, and so I think you're bringing up an important point that there is there's something missing absolutely I, I agree a hundred percent and I see that all the time people that go for years and years like you say with fatigue or chronic pain and they never get answers and they never get better and and I think a lot of that's unnecessary I I agree you know in your book you talk a, a lot about being becoming empowered with your health care what do you mean by that well I, I feel it's important for people to really take an active role in their health care. And, and being empowered means learning about your body, your health, and if you have medical conditions, really learning about the medical condition and what you need to know about that, how it, what happens with it, how to treat it. And by knowing all that and really taking an active role to, to find the things that are going to help you the most, that is really what we call empowerment, and, and being empowered has actually been shown in studies to really help people. It, it, it makes them healthier. Uh, they live longer. Uh, there's lots of benefits. So if, if the people listening to your show, and I'm sure they're listening to your show for that reason, is they want to become empowered, and they want to be able to, to have some control over their own health. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't even know that this is something that they can do and they put a lot of trust in their doctor, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes you need a second opinion and you don't know that you should be doing that. Before I went to school, I'd visited a practitioner and she asked me what percent of responsibility I take for my health and I put 100% and she said I was the only one that had ever done that. And and I couldn't fathom who else was responsible because even if I went to the doctor, I'm responsible to follow through with their suggestions and their medication or with follow up visits. And I I think that we're we're all missing a little bit that it is our responsibility to find the solution if the person in front of us isn't able to help us with that. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I really urge uh, patients, you know, if they don't know the answer, question. Uh, question the doctor, you know, find out. That will get you empowered. And, and you also mentioned compliance because if you don't comp- 
comply with the information you get and what the doctor recommends, uh, then you're never going to know it's, if it's going to work. So you really need to do that as well, and, and you're responsible for that. So how can somebody become empowered? How do they start doing this if they haven't done it their whole life? Uh, well, it starts with knowledge and information. Uh, you know, they really need to find out what they can. And, you know, some people think, well, you know, I didn't go to medical school, so, you know, how am I going to know? But in actuality, to, to me, the body makes sense and how the body works makes sense. And I mean, obviously, there's some things that doctors know and, and they have a large amount of, of knowledge. <clears throat> but I think that people themselves can really learn a lot about their own health and how their bodies work and if they have a medical condition. You know, and the first thing to do, of course, is is do the research and find out about your medical condition. And there's lots of ways to do that. You know, you can read books. You, you, certainly you can talk to your doctor. I think the main way nowadays that people get information is through the Internet. Uh, I heard a, a, a statistic uh, a while back that said that 56% of the searches on the Internet are for medical reasons, which is, which is uh, uh, quite a bit. But the Internet is a, a good source of information, although I will say that, the, that people have to understand there are some websites that are great. There are some websites that are not so great. Uh, there are some websites that are, just want you to buy one of their products. They want to make money off of you. Uh, there are some good websites, so they give you really good information, you know, like WebMD, Mayo Clinic, those give you good information. But even so, the problem I see with them is that they may list things but not really give you the information you need. And what I mean is, like, say you have some type of medical condition and you go to that that website and they say, okay, you have this, this is the reason you have this, and here are the treatments, and they list all the treatments, but they don't tell you which treatment is the best one, uh, how well those treatments work. A lot of times they only tell you the conventional treatments, not the alternative treatments. So it lacks completeness, and that's actually why I wrote Dr. Say What, is because I wanted people to know everything about these treatments. Does this treatment really work as well as they think it is? Is this the best treatment? Is this really going to have the best effect? Or is there another option that's even better? Um, and so, but at least it's a start. At least they can go to the Internet, they can get some basic information, and then take that information to their provider and find out more about it. And so obtaining that knowledge is number one. Uh, number two, of course, is then to ask questions. You've got the base knowledge. Now ask your provider about it. Uh, you know, tell them, okay, well, this is what I read. Uh, is that really true? Is this drug really going to work in most people? Is this one of the side effects? And then like you already said, get a second opinion. If, if you don't think that, you know, your provider has the right information or if you doubt or you have questions about that aren't answered, you know, there's nothing that says you can't go to somebody else and say, okay, tell me what you think. And that doesn't mean just another conventional provider. It could be an alternative provider. Say, give me some other options. So all of those will help empower people and help them get an active role in control of their health. Well, I think that the information is really important. Um, you know, I find sometimes people are diagnosed with something and they're not 
given a lot of information and they're just kind of told, okay, here you go. And so then we do have to advocate for ourselves to find, you know, books or, or that kind of thing. Sometimes we need a Google diet and to maybe hold back on some of the things we can see on the internet. Sometimes some of it's good and some of it can just be a little over the top. But at the same time, we're the ones that have to suffer with the illness and with the consequences of the medication. So we're the ones that have to make the decision. Absolutely. And and really, the more you know, the better it is. And I tell people, you know, don't go to just one internet site. Go to several and get kind of a consensus. Because if you see something, there's one website and you go for it, that may not they not, may not be accurate, but if you go to several websites and they're saying the same thing, then that's pretty good information. So um, how can somebody choose the right doctor for them? How do they know that the person in front of them is, is doing the right things for them? Well, and that's, you know, personality, of course, comes into that because there may be a certain type of personality uh, for every patient. But, you know, I think there are some general characteristics of doctors that I think we all want to look for. Uh, you know, of course, you want them to have knowledge. You want them to really know what they're talking about. And, and you know, go ahead, doctor, impress me with your knowledge because I want you to be sure you know what you're talking about. At the same time, you want a doctor to be compassionate. You want them to care about you. You don't want them just to check you off and say, okay, we took care of this. See you later. Uh, it's important that a doctor listens to you and really hears what you're saying because so many doctors are so set on what they want to do and they don't realize that there's things in your life that may affect what's happening to you. I remember in medical school, uh, they always they always taught us, they said, you know, you will learn what the what the patient has and about their disease if you just listen to the patient, listen to their symptoms, you can usually make the diagnosis. And I really think that's true. And then, of course, there's communication because the communication goes both ways. It's not only your doctor telling you, it's you also informing the doctor of things that he may need to know to better treat you. Um, if you have all that, you're going to hopefully trust your doctor and trust that he's going to take care of you and that he's going to follow up with you. And in general, what you really want, and the, the real measure of a, of a good doctor or a good provider is the outcome. I mean, if you do well and they help you, well, that's what you want. And so you know you've got a good doctor. But all those things go, go into it. I, I don't know why, but I, I see lots of patients who go to doctors and really, well, my doctor doesn't tell me this, and my doctor doesn't do this, and he only spends three minutes with me, but they keep going back to them. And, and I just tell them, why are you going back to them? You know, find another doctor who will answer your questions. And so people just need to, to do that and be empowered and say, hey, this is my health. I'm going to find a doctor who will really work with me. I think that's really important to point out that if the doctor is not giving you the care that you need, just find a different doctor, um, you know, because you're not going to you're not going to get the care and they're not going to give you the time and the attention that you need in your appointments. And so it's important just to to look around and be empowered in that way. I think that's a really good point. 
So um, we're yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're talking today with Dr. Larry Altshuler. He's the author of Dr. Say What? An Insider Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. We are recording live, so if you have any questions, you can call in today to ask Dr. Altshuler anything that um, you'd like about this topic. Uh, or you can message us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're speaking with Dr. Larry Altshuler. He's the author of the book, Doctor Say What? An Insider's Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. And we're talking today about the, um, you know, all the problems that there can be with your health care and how you can become empowered to get the best out of what you have. So Dr. Altshuler, um, wh- we talked about you know, becoming empowered with your doctor and finding the right doctor. But are there other dysfunctions in the healthcare system that can prevent someone from getting the best care that they need? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of dysfunctions, uh, which goes beyond just the doctor. Of course, you know, each doctor has certain uh, 
influences on them too and restrictions from you know wherever they are in whatever country uh, so they may have limits here in the United States there's lots of rules and regulations and things that cause doctors to have a lot of administrative time and that takes away from their time with the patient and that's why a lot of doctors only have a certain amount of time uh, to see patients and that's that's uh, um, that's really not good. Uh, I mean, that can really cause dysfunction, and uh, the doctor may not hear everything and may not uh, encompass everything, and you may not be able to communicate everything. So time is really uh, necessary, but a lot of times they're limited in their time. Another dysfunction that we see, especially in the United States, is the difference between a specialist and a primary care physician. I know like in Canada, they have, uh, it's actually a better system and most countries in the world have more primary care physicians, which is good because studies have shown that primary care physicians actually, uh, their outcomes can be better than specialists. Here in the United States, we have many more specialists than primary care and so the cost is much, much greater and we see a lot more errors because of it and a lot more unnecessary care. So that's dysfunctional. I think worldwide, however, I think one of the biggest dysfunctions we have is actually in our research system. Now, I can tell you there's amazing research being done out there. Lots of people have great ideas, and they're coming up with great developments and great discoveries. But if you look at it overall, it's only actually a very small percentage of the research are actually doing something for people and actually being translated to helping people in a clinical setting. A lot of that, and I had already mentioned about the Cochrane Collaboration, which is an international group, saying that they can't use up to 75% of the research because it's just poorly done. And so that's a dysfunction that really we we have never addressed and nobody addresses. We're pouring money into research but so much of the research is very poor, and it's telling us, and it may tell us stuff that doesn't work on us, and then we're misled, or we go, or we use something that is really not good, and that's really not not beneficial for any of us. Uh, here in the United States, of course, we have problems with access uh, to care. A lot of people can't get access to care. Uh, in other countries, it's a little bit better, but even then, I know, like in Canada, it can take a long time to get a certain diagnostic test or getting a surgery. So getting in and getting the treatment, even getting in to see a doctor, in many places can be a, a real problem. And, and so that's a dysfunction that, that we really need to overcome. So all of those can really impact the care that we receive and decrease the quality that we receive. Well, you know, you talk in your book a lot about um, becoming empowered. And so choosing your own treatment can bring some of that um, empowered feeling to somebody. But a lot of time, we don't always get that choice. We kind of get shuffled here or there. How does somebody go about understanding what's happening and then choosing what's right for them? Well, again, and you had mentioned it previously, you know, the second opinion is really good. Uh, I have a lot of people who will go to a conventional doctor, but there may be some other alternative methods that are just as good or even better, and if they don't know the options, they'll never know about that. Uh, You know, because a lot of doctors, they're not, you know, they know a lot. They have a great body of knowledge, but they don't know everything, and they certainly don't know uh, the things that they haven't been taught about unless they've actually gone out and, and, and learned about it. 
So again, it comes back to people researching their options, you know, looking at the internet, finding those options, and then going to the practitioners that offer those options and saying, okay, what's this going to do? Is this going to work? How many people does it work on? Uh, what kind of harms are there? When am I going to know it's going to work? Things like that. And that will give people the control to know exactly what's going on with their condition and what they can expect and which options are going to be the best for them. Well, I think, you know, one of the most important things with that is also to understand the side effects so that you know um, what could happen and even understand what's happening when it does. Because a lot of times I have conversations with people and they're on a medication and they don't realize that their symptoms are a side effect of the medication that they're taking. And and somehow that conversation never happened with their pharmacist or their doctor that that could be something that they experience. Well, that happens all the time. And, you know, there's a, a study that came out here in the U.S. just last week talking about that, especially in older people, uh, that there's a rising use of both drugs and supplements. Uh, so uh, the uh, people are taking a lot of both of those, and every one of those can have a potential interaction with the other one and either decrease its effects or increase its effects or increase the side effects. Um, I, I say in my book, I say if you have uh, you know, started a new, new medication or started even a supplement, and all of a sudden you see kind of a change or something different, a, a symptom, that the first thing you should think of is that it's what you took. Uh, and, and that's really important because, like you say, and so, uh, some of these symptoms can be extremely subtle. Um, I knew uh, an, an older gentleman who was taking uh, a medication for uh, an enlarged prostate. And it was a, a new medication. And a little while after he started taking it, he started having suicidal thoughts. And he ended up in the hospital. And so... You know, he said, well, this is the only medication that I, I started again. Well, what was, what was amazing was that they took him off all his medications, but then they had a urologist come in and see him again. And the urologist said, oh, that won't cause that problem. I'm going to put it on you again. And as soon as he did, he became suicidal again. And so, you know, people don't realize how subtle this is. Uh, blood pressure medications can really decrease your cognition a little bit. It can have effect on your sexuality and your libido. So there's lots of normal, everyday, common medications that we take that can really affect us, and we may not even realize it. So it's really important to get that information. So what are the best ways to get that that information? Is that just to talk to their doctor, or what if their doctor is not talking to them? I, I think both talking to their doctor, but also talking to their pharmacist, uh, I think if you do both of those, uh, that's going to minimize uh, the side effects. But I would also, I would Google it. I mean, I you can go and, uh, it's funny, the other day my, my daughter uh, went in, she had uh, an infection, a uh, bladder infection, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, let me give you another example. There, uh, my, my, it happened in my father that he uh, he was given a medication. He has a little bit mild dementia, and so a doctor gave him a medication for dementia, 
And so she went and Googled it and found out that that medication might interfere with a heart medication that he was on, carvitolol, and that there was an interaction there that could cause some problems. And so she brought it up to the doctor, and the doctor said, yes, it's, it can happen. This is what you need to look out for. If this occurs, you need to stop that drug. But if she hadn't done that, she never would have known that. So I tell people, I say, you know, find out as much as you can from your doctor, from your pharmacist, and even look on the Internet and just make sure that you know what you're dealing with so that if something happens, if you get a new symptom, you can say, oh, I read about that, I know about that, and let's drop that off and find something else. Okay, that's. I think that's important. Um, you talk in your book a lot about preventative care, which is something I talk about my patients with as well. You know, let's try not to get sick, and let's try not to have that line cross into a disease. But what what does that that mean for you and your patients? Well, prevention, of course, is to me is taking any actions that you can to prevent these diseases from happening in the first place. Um, and I look at really two things to do that. One, of course, is our lifestyle. Uh, you know, what we eat, what we drink, if we exercise, what our habits are, our environment, all those things we have control over to a pretty good degree. And if we do what, you know, studies have shown is going to benefit our health, then we can help prevent diseases from occurring in the first place. But if you do get a, a, a disease, if you still use your lifestyle and use those, you can still modify the disease and improve it beyond even what treatment can do. So really looking at your lifestyle and really understanding what you're doing in your life that can impact the you know future diseases will really help. Then, of course, there are screenings. Uh, you know, we want to screen for different things. Um, you know, melanoma, we, we want to do skin screening to make sure we don't get melanoma. We want to screen for colon cancer. We want to screen for breast cancers. Uh, so screening is the other part of that. So because even if you have a good lifestyle, you still may get some diseases. But if you know that studies have been done and show if you screen for this, it can really decrease the possibility of it occurring then you're going to be way, way ahead of the game. So if people do that, they can really help prevent any diseases and then they don't have to suffer. Well, I, I think that's important. I mean, why would we want something if we can prevent it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you talk a lot about integrative medicine, which I believe is what you do. And um, what, I mean, there must be other options for people aside from taking, you know, medications to help with certain things. And sometimes the medications don't don't clear something up or they don't clear it up 100%. So what other things do you look at to help people when they have something going on? Well, and of course, uh, you're an acupuncturist, I'm an acupuncturist. So we we were talking before about how good acupuncture is. What I tell people is that, you know, there are options in the alternative world, which is really, really good and may even be better than conventional treatments. Um, because, for example, and we can use acupuncture as a good example, because acupuncture really addresses the underlying cause of the problem. But so much of conventional medicine just treats symptoms. They don't treat the disease. And so you can take medications that may make you feel better, control the disease, but you have to take them forever. 
what if you have an option that will actually get rid of the problem long-term or really control it so you don't have to take as many medications. That has a great advantage. So, you know, Chinese medicine is one, uh, both the acupuncture, Chinese herbs, qigong, tai chi, they're all really beneficial uh, not only for treating diseases but also preventing diseases. Uh, you know, of course, uh, nutritional supplements, uh, there's lots and lots of studies on nutritional supplements. Mind-body medicine, uh, where meditation uh, and, and imagery, uh, hypnosis, things like that can really help a lot of people. And in fact, uh, those kind of things like meditation have actually been shown to increase the length of our telomeres. And if you don't know what telomeres are out there, uh, those are kind of the ends of DNA. And, and if you have a longer telomere, it protects your DNA from degeneration. So it has to do with aging. It really allows for more survival of the DNA. So anything you can do to increase your telomeres, uh, you know, improves your likelihood of a long, a long life. And exercise can do that. Meditation can do that. A uh, good diet can do that. Uh, so there's other things other than conventional medicine that can do that. Uh, another alternative that we use a lot is manual therapy, either osteopathic or chiropractic, uh, certain types of massage. Um, there, there are just so and those are the main four that we use, but there's a lot of others that can really be beneficial to people. And uh, especially, uh, uh, as I was talking before, I have really two books. My second book really tells people how to treat about 90 medical conditions. And I tell people, sometimes you want to start with conventional medicine, but sometimes you want to start with alternative medicine because it's going to give you longer-lasting relief. Uh, it's going to be a much less costly for you with less harm. And so... I try to tell people, this is when you use conventional, this is when you use alternative, this is when you use both of them together. And and I think if people know that and realize there's some alternatives out there that are really, really beneficial, it's really going to help you live longer and live healthier. Well, I, I, isn't that what most of us want out of our health is to to be well? Um, I remember reading a study that, you know, we were all living the last 10 years of our life um, being sick. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that that's really what we want. I think we want to enjoy our, our time and to feel well and to be able to do things. And, um, I think that is, as you're saying, becoming empowered about your own health and taking it into your own hands. Absolutely. You know, I, I worry about people, you know, we're living in our, to our eighties and nineties now, but, if we live to our 80s and 90s, we want to have good health because we want to enjoy. We've worked our, our whole lives, and we want to be retired, and we want to enjoy life. And if we have diseases that we're suffering from, you know, that, that really takes away from the enjoyment. So you're right. That's very, very important. Um, so um, it, I suppose there's... Um there's a way people, it, it, you say in your second book, you have a way people can find... Um, you know, what would help their certain conditions and in, in natural forms. Right. Right. Yeah. Basically, basically what I do is I, I talk about over 90 medical conditions, which are the kind that most people, the most common conditions from, you know, low, from allergies, low back pain, you know, urinary problems, cancer, whatever, high blood pressure, diabetes, 
what I wanted to do in that second book is really say, okay, here are the conventional treatments that are available, and here's is how good they are. Do they work? Because there are some conventional drugs that may work, but they only work in maybe 15% of people, but they don't tell you that. So I want to tell people, this works, and this is how it works, and this is what you have to look out for. And I do the same thing with alternative medicine. I say, okay, but these alternative medicine therapies are available also, and this is what we have found. This is what they can do and what they can't do and what you have to watch out for. And then at the end of each section, I actually have a guideline that I've used in my own practice to say, okay, you have this problem. What do you start with? What's going to be the most likely thing to help you at the least cost and the most effective for the longest term? And then I go step by step to say, okay, if this step doesn't work, then what's the next best step and the next best step? And I think that that will give people a really good idea uh, on how to proceed and really how to know which are the best and what they need to avoid uh, to avoid any harm. So we're going to talk about this more after we get back from our break. Today we're talking with Dr. Larry Altshuler. He is the author of Dr. Say What? An Insider's Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. We're talking today about how you can become empowered to get the care that you need. And if you have any questions, you can call in or message us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear your comments. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're speaking with Dr. Larry Altshuler. He's the author of Dr. Say What? An Insider Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. So, Dr. Altshuler, um, are there any influences outside of, you know, just being in that room with your doctor that can decide how they're going to treat your illness or what you have going on? Yes, you know, a lot of people think it's as simple as going to the doctor and he's just going to do what's best for you. But in fact, the doctor can have influences going on that you may not be aware of at all. For example, marketing from drug companies. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, well, a lot of people probably do realize that drug companies really market heavily 
not only to doctors but to patients. You see it on commercials and things like that where they're talking about this wonderful drug and they make it all seem so good when, in fact, it may not be the best drug for you. But that can influence you uh, and influence the care because they find that a lot of people listen to those commercials and go in and ask their doctor for that. And a lot of times the doctor just wants to please you. Now, okay, well, well, we can try you on that, but it may not be the best drug for you. But also, drug companies market doctors directly. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to promote their new drugs because the new drugs are the most expensive and they're the newest on the market. That's where they make their profit. So they want to kind of, you know, put away the old drugs that they have and try to get the doctor to prescribe the new drugs when, in fact, studies show that most of the new drugs may not be any better than the old drugs. But you may not know that. And then they'll give you, you know, samples to your, to your doctor. So he's going to give you a sample of the new drug. And if it works, then you're going to be more likely to get a refill on that next time, even though something cheaper may be just as good for you. So they really have an influence on doctors and on patients that are that can be quite subtle, and you may not actually realize that. So that's one influence. Of course, money is is another influence because people who have, uh, you know, who actually, especially in the United States, we have so much cost sharing uh, with deductibles and things that we have to pay out of our pocket. Uh, in many countries, we don't you don't have that. Um, but money can really be a decision maker too, because if you have to pay for something out of your own pocket and it's really expensive, you may forego that and not do it even if it's the best thing for you. So that's another influence that, that is fairly subtle. The media also has influence, and there's good influence and there's bad influence. For example, this radio show, this is a good influence for people. Because what we're trying to do and what you're trying to do, Rebecca, is to bring information to people to help them. But there's a lot of media that actually is not as good. Uh, you know, when somebody does a research study uh, and they, they want you to know, okay, I did this research study and it's showing this, they want to announce that because they want to look good and they want, to, they want their study published and they want their, uh, it publicized. So they'll tell the media, they'll give them, you know, a little twist on it or a little spin. And so the media will come out and say, oh, this discovery just came out. And so all of a sudden, we're listening to this and say, oh, well, this is great. You know, if I have this disease, this is great for this disease. But what studies show is that almost 80% of what's announced in the media just up front is usually proven not to be that effective later on, maybe years later, and the media never comes back and tells you that. So a lot of the things that the media presents, they're presenting just what they're told, and you're not learning the real story and the complete story. You're not learning about the harms, perhaps, and you're not learning that maybe it only helps in 3% of people. So what the media says, you really have to take with a grain of salt when you hear things like that. And then there's other media outlets, you know, there, there's shows, you know, medical shows, you know, besides this one, but that may, you know, be, be focused on one thing uh, and don't show you a, a complete picture. So you have to be real careful with all that because all of that can influence what's going on with your health care and you may not even realize it.
Well, and I think this is important, you know, especially with the media when we've gone through phases, as an example, phases of, you know, low fat was popular for a long time. And then now we're realizing our fat was so good for us and we were doing harm by avoiding by avoiding it. And that was all, you know, play in the media and what people were being told. And I think it's important for us to do our own research when we read something and to find out behind it what else there is and what other opinions are so that we can make an educated decision about it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'd already mentioned about how much research is really uh, not good research and really doesn't help us any. And when, that, and when we see that research or when our doctors look at that research, they're thinking, oh, okay, that's okay. And even our governments are using research to, to determine things to do for the population. And it's been pointed out that many of their, uh, the bottom lines on that research, the research was not done well enough, and it really came to the wrong conclusion, and yet our governments are spending a lot of money to help the population, and it's really not helping the population. Um, so it is unfortunate, but you're correct. We need to really look at that. And there's lots of controversies, you know, in the United States, you know, they, the U.S. task force, and I think the Canadian task force also said, you know, don't do mammograms till you're age 50. Uh, I, I terribly disagree with that. I, I don't think that's correct at all. I see, I can't tell you how many cancer patients I see women with breast cancer who are in their early 40s or late 30s. And, and I think, I think that, that's the wrong advice, but it's based on certain studies that are not real good studies. So there's a lot of controversies out there, and people really need to, to know as much as they can uh, to make a decision for their health. Uh, you know, that's important. Um, the main thing here is to become empowered and to, um, you know, understand what's going on so that you can be empowered in the situations that you are in. Now, in your book, you talk about the more is better attitude. What is that? Well, basically, you know, in medical school, we're taught to really evaluate something, really examine and explore, and try to do everything you possibly possibly can to find out what's going on. And then once you find out what's going on, you try to do everything you possibly can to treat that condition. And so that, that's what I call the, the more is better attitude. But I already pointed out, of course, that at least 30% up to 50% of medical care may be unnecessary. And that comes from that more is better attitude. There's a lot of what we do, a lot of the testing we do, a lot of the treatments we do. We're just doing it, you know, because we're taught more is better. Let's do as much as we can, and hopefully something will stick and something will work. And that's not real, a real good attitude because, especially because cost of healthcare are going, you know, sky high. There, it's going exponentially. You know, we have to look at that because the more the, the higher the cost, it seems now we have to restrict what we do, and that lowers the quality. So basically, we really need to do what's what I call cost effective. Do what is best for the patient at the lowest cost. And if we keep that in mind and focus on the patient and what the patient needs and not go for all the peripheral stuff, then we will help the patient more. And, and that's what patients should be looking at. Uh, ask the doctor, is this really necessary? Do I really need this? What is this really going to do? Is there an alternative that's going to work better? 
These are questions people need to ask uh, so that they don't get a lot of stuff that they don't need. Well, you know, one thing I think is important to point out is that a lot of the time people jump to the more extreme solution. Like if you have back pain, you need surgery. And there might be something that you can do that's less invasive and not as permanent. Um, And, you know, a lot of back pain surgeries end up leaving people with still with the same pain left over. And so if we look at other options like the acupuncture or laser or physio or, or, you know, the chiropractic or anything that might help that situation first, then we may not need that more expensive and more invasive treatment. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I use especially acupuncture and low level uh, energy laser as a prime example for back pain because at least in the U.S., the average cost of, of treating back pain before surgery is $16,000. And then if you do surgery, it goes up to $100,000. And yet studies show that acupuncture, uh, co-laser, uh, yoga, chiropractic, even psychological counseling uh, has just as good results, if not better results, than back surgery. And you look at back surgery and you see that a huge percentage of those people do not get better. A lot of people get worse. They have more complications, more pain. And yet if they just tried some alternatives that were, that were out there before, they'd be much better off and not have all the complications. So those are really great examples. And I'm glad you said that because I have all those in my, in my book, in my guidelines. So people will know that you need to start there. Don't go for the big stuff. Um, but, you know, if, if, you get, if you go to a surgeon, he's probably going to do surgery. So you really have to look at your options and go to other people first. Well, and, and I, I love what you're doing, bringing this information all in one place so people know what their options are. Because a lot of the time we don't know and we go to our doctor and they refer us to another doctor and they leave outside the the other options that we have, I, I think mainly because they don't understand them. And um, I, I think that we should be trying those things before we try the more aggressive invasive surgeries or that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I think we would be so, so much better off if that was incorporated and before somebody uh, approved surgery or was going to pay for surgery, they said, you know, you really need to do these other alternatives first because so the majority of people will get better with those alternatives and they won't need surgery. And so what you're doing just automatically by doing that is you're lowering the overall cost and you're improving the quality of care and the quality of life just by that simple thing. But unfortunately, that's kind of not where doctors and the governments are, are geared to, and, and they really need to change to that, that thinking. Well, it needs, I think it needs to be what's best for the patient um, in that time, and I think we need to have that, that knowledge um, everywhere so that they can be chosen because surgery might be right for one person and whereas another person might need acupuncture or physiotherapy for, for their problem to solve that. And I, I think we need to have all those options so that we can choose what, what resonates best with us and find our way to better health. Absolutely. And, and that's exactly why I wrote these books. Uh, they took me about eight years to write. And, but I, I wanted to get everything in there. I wanted everyone to have a really complete book, 
like you said, one place that you can go to find out what you really need, uh, to know all your options and know what you need to avoid, but what may be beneficial for you. And hopefully that will help a lot of people. Um, so before we finish the show today, is there any advice that you can let, uh, give to the listeners about how they can start to feel empowered about their own health care? Well, I would like listeners to know that they actually have the ability and the power to prevent disease and to treat their diseases much better uh, just by becoming empowered. I don't want people to feel that, you know, don't feel like you can't ask the questions, that you can't do your own research, that you don't have the ability to do that, because I think everybody does. I'm surprised every day of people who come in, and it could be a bus driver or an accountant or whoever, they still can find out enough about their bodies and their health and their options to be able to take an active role and determine what's best for them. And so I urge everyone to be empowered and and take that active role and don't be afraid to do that. Uh, thank you so much. I think that's important. Don't be afraid to take charge of your health. I mean, sometimes doctors don't like when you ask for your blood work or you ask questions, but um, then they're probably not the right doctor for you and you need someone that will sit down and answer your questions and um, have compassion for where you are. Absolutely. You need to be satisfied with what that doctor says or satisfied with what you're receiving and what you're knowing. And you have the power to do that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, This was a great show. I think it was really good information for people. Well, thank you for having me. I hope we've helped a lot of people out there. Um, Do you have a website that people can find you at? Yes, it's really easy. It's drsaywhat.com. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Today we were speaking with Dr. Larry Altshuler. He's the author of Dr. Say What? An Insider Scoop to Getting the Best Medical Care. Next week we're going to be speaking with David Hanscom, who's a, a back surgeon, and he's going to be speaking with us about how other options than surgery for your back, your chronic back pain. So um, if you have any questions about this show, then please uh, message us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com and make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.